Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, I am so excited for you to hear another amazing episode. I mean, we just keep the amazing coming. Welcome our new friend, Deandra Lyle. Deandra is an actress living in LA. She currently appears in Disney Channel's Secrets of Sulphur Springs, streaming on Disney+. And she recently starred in Apple TV's Beauty and the Baller. She's appeared on Paramount's American Woman and on NCIS. Deandra also appeared in the films Foster Boy and Always a Bridesmaid. And we had a fun time with Deandra. I felt like I've known her my whole life. It was kind of crazy. So fast track to friends. And welcome back, Mimi Simpson. Always loving my young star, Mimi Simpson. She's so hilarious. Comedian, producer, writer. She currently hosts Laugh Gas, a virtual comedy showcase. And this June, look out for Mimi as headliner at the Black Women in Comedy Laugh Festival. And welcome back. It's been too long. Always glad to have her here. Lori Kilmartin. Lori is an Emmy-nominated writer. She was on staff for all 10 years of Conan on TBS and has performed stand-up on Conan, The Late Late Show with James Corden and Comedy Central. She was a top 10 finalist on season 9 of Last Comic Standing and has been a guest on Mark Maron's WTF podcast. Her first book, Shitty Mom, was a New York Times bestseller. Her special, 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad, was named Vulture's Top 10 Comedy Specials of 2016 and will be available on Amazon Primes. And she also has her album, Corset, was released in October of 2021 and is available for purchase or stream. This Saturday, March 12th, if you are in the Austin area, I am performing, yes, at the South by Southwest Comedy Show. And on March 30th in New York City, I'll be headlining the Fat Black Pussycat. 7 p.m. show. So get your tickets. I want to thank all of our listeners and friends like us because of you. We make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto download function on the Friends Like Us for Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendsliksuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast. And Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation. Just go to our Patreon page. That's Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. Seriously, it's been a tough month. Can't go into it. But it's because of you. We keep going. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. Just go to my website at marinafranklin.com. And weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, and my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. To give updates to the show, we shout out fans who leave reviews, and sometimes we offer free stuff, like maybe a ticket to that comedy show, March 30th with friends like us it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe still wash those dirty little hands i know the mandate's up in some places but um i'm gonna keep my mask on get vaccinated boost her up and black lives matter i have an incredible group today oh my god it's women's month we're in it i mean 
not as we're recording, but when this drops, it'll officially be Women's Month. We are a mostly women of color podcast, but once a month we do have a white, like Lori Kilmartin is here. <laughs> I'm very honored You're to be the white today. <laughs> you rep. Rep for your people. Yes, there's not enough white voice out there. So thank you for finally <laughs> shining a light. <laughs> so Lori Kilmartin's a comedian. Mimi and uh, amazing writer. Conan O'Brien on the Conan O'Brien show for years. Um, we'll get into that more, but also Mimi Simpson is here. Comedian, you know, performs all over the world, opens for some of the best comedians. Like, uh, who have you opened for recently? Uh, Eddie Griffin, um, DL Hughley, mm-hmm. Michael Blackson. And she's one of my young stars, even though I don't call her my young star, but she is. And she is hysterical. She's one that I could say honestly is funny off stage and on stage. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you so much. Um, uh, I, the feeling is mutual. You know, I, you're one of the most clever, clever funny. I like clever funny man. So that's you. My you write up my alley as the style of comedian. I love you. Kind of an asshole, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And then we have Deandra. Lyle, who this is her first time with us on this show, and that's why I save you for last because you are doing, um, you are an actress, but you're not a comedian. But let, tell them what you were saying before we started. Well, I, I am not a comedian, but I did do stand up once, so I have a little street cred. You know, it was <laughs> in Chicago. It was kind of a forced situation. It was not a plan, and uh, you know, I took the challenge. I was one of thirteen comics. I had other com- uh, comics shout me out. They said, hey, she was funny. And uh, yeah, I was one and done. I don't know if I need to ever do it again. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go out on top. So, uh, <laughs> but it's, I, I tip my hat to comedians because it's, it is no joke. I that did is- notice that in one of your interviews, I appreciated what you were saying about a role that you had with um, Fred Armis. I think it's Fred, where you, you mentioned that you respect the craft and it was so nice to hear that from an actress because obviously now I know because you've done it. So you know how hard it is. So it was really, it was really great to hear that because, you know, right now, I mean, just a little insight, we got a little war going on between Godfrey and T.I. about, oh, you know, yeah. this whole, you know, <laughs> what stay in your lane. You do rap. I do comedy. But I don't know. I, I could open that up to you. But before I go there. Because I could go in so many directions. I just want to tell you that amazing work that um, Deandra is doing. She's on Disney's channel, Secret of Sulphur Springs, which shoots in New Orleans, right? Yes. Yeah, we shoot down in the down in the bayou. <laughs> and I just saw your recent post about what it was like to shoot there. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us like how hot it is? What is it like? Well, you know, our first season, we actually shot at the top of the year. So the end of January till mid-March when we shut down. So I was there, you know, during Mardi Gras. It was my first Mardi Gras. I'm official now. It's like three weeks long. I didn't even know. Uh, but that time of the year is is actually cool. You know, it's rainy, windy. I had to buy a coat down there. You know, you can wear your sweatpants. Uh, but when, when we went back for second season, we were there from Memorial Day weekend through August. So the heat was on hell. Okay. It was a whole nother situation. And I'm from the Midwest. So I'm used to, you know, I grew up with humidity and things like that. I've been a little spoiled being in LA, you know, we don't get that as much, but down there, that's a whole nother beast. I mean, you know, it's, there's no being cute. Okay. There's no, you go out every day. It's sunny. 
And you're like, oh, it's a beautiful day. And then the midday, the skies open up, a monsoon happens, it floods. And then all of a sudden it's sunny again and it's humid and you're sweaty and everything, everybody's funky. And it's just, it's crazy, but it's still such an amazing place. I love New Orleans. I always have. There's something special about it. So um, I feel very fortunate to be able to shoot there. So you take it, the good and the bad, you know, the mosquitoes, everything. You take, take it all and, and just make it do what it do. <laughs> I always wonder, like, because uh, I was watching you as they were prepping you and you had like a neck fan on, which, by mm. the way, I have for menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I might have to give me one when the well, yeah. <laughs> I kept that little neck fan for hot flashes because I used that once for my makeup. But I was like, I'm going to need this for life. Right. You right. know, and I, I <laughs> often wonder what that's like to shoot in situations where, see, I'm a complainer. So I. I I watched you as you praised all of them for getting you ready. And I could just see like, this is why I don't do films because I'd just be complaining <laughs> the whole time and going, I can't work like this. Yeah. I mean, there might've been some inside complaining, you know, it's keeping it. I'm like a karate man. You know, I keep it in the inside. I'm keep it in here. But it was, I mean, that, that particular day we were out in the backwoods and I, I didn't shoot out there very much. A lot of the other casts do. Uh, and at night too, even um, I've seen, crazy videos of like millions of bugs. I mean, million, I'm not even exaggerating. So um, they've been really in it, so I can't complain, but it was, it was probably close to a hundred degrees. It was humid. You're, you, you know, I have a shirt, the sweat is going through it like that. And so you're trying to keep yourself cool. You're trying to act like, oh, I'm fine, you know, and do all that. But I do, I have to give credit to all the people around me because they're the ones constantly fanning me, you know, wiping me down and do, I mean, and they're, and they're just as hot, yeah. you know, so they, and they're out there a lot longer than I am. So, you know, my little complaints are, are nothing compared to what I'm sure what they, they could be doing. <laughs> right. I'm always thinking like, that's like casting also is like, uh, will she withstand New Orleans heat and be nice at the same time? <laughs> they you know? should put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what does it feel like to be amongst us like comedians? What does it, is it? Cause I know, like I see, I've seen you done like several interviews. Have you been amongst like a group of women comics? Do you go see comedy shows or? Well, this, this is my first time. So I'm very honored to be amongst you. Amazing women. Um, you know, there can be a level of intimidation because I'm like, man, am I going to have some funny stuff to say? I got to be on it. I got to be ready. You know, no, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, I love vibing with people. I'm big on energy. So, you know, especially when there's people you can play off of and quick wit and all those things. I love that. And I talk a lot of shit. So I'm, I'm, that's just in my nature. We get serious on here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I this podcast was mostly, you know, I think true comedy is not forced. So on, on some podcasts where they're like forcing the funny, you can tell. And it just sounds yeah. like an unreal conversation. So that's why. Mm -hmm, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think that, you know, I mean, when I did my stand up many, many moons ago, all I did was talk about real life situations because that's what it is. It's what people relate to. It's storytelling, you know, and, and you sometimes have to you know laugh to keep from crying. So all the messed up things that are going on in the world, it's like, yeah, this is messed up you know, but look at this. And, you know, I mean, you, you kind of have to shift the perspective sometimes to be able to deal with it, to be able to cope with it, but also to be able to express it in a way that people understand and can relate, you know? So it, it's necessary to have those views, the, the comedic take on things. People need that. People need to laugh. People need to connect. And it's, it's crucial, you know? So I, like I said, I salute comedians. It's just a necessary it's not just an art. It's, it's, 
you know, it's a humanities lesson. We need that, you know? We so. are first responders. That's you are absolutely saying. first responders. You are essential workers, you know? Definitely and essential. People be ready to kill somebody. I, right, somebody right. told me before, you know what? I was going to kill this bitch when I got home today. <laughs> <laughs> I really was. I really was just going to end it all. But, you know, them few little chuckles, you know, may have saved her life, you know? Yeah, so. It's, it's real, though. And, and in my former life, I'm not even going to go down that road, but I, I used to work as a recreational therapist. That's what I got my degree in. And I worked with special needs populations. But what rec therapy does is I worked on the therapy side. So I used um, leisure education, recreational things, you know, as a means of therapy. So I would take my groups and we would do sports, for instance. OK, we'd go to the gym and do flag football or play, you know, basketball or whatever. Or we'd stay on the unit. And we'd play games, you know, we do different things. But what was going on during these activities is people were working on coping skills, on communication, on self-esteem, but they were doing it in ways that they didn't even feel like they were doing it, you know? So that's what I see laughter is about what, you know, smiling, laughing. That's like I said, that's, those are positive things that gets everything going. It makes you feel good. It can bring you out of a funk, you know? So it's it's so important necessary life skills man like life sucks you know it is not a um it is not a ball of fun all the time so you need to be able to take what life gives you and turn it into positive energy you know just for for your sanity's sake you know like people commit suicide because they just get so overwhelmed by life so when you when you can change a mountain to a a, a a speed bump, you know, it, it definitely soothes the ride. So it's just, um, yeah, I, I think life skills coach may, I think people totally underestimate the, the value in having that, um, the value in having someone kind of direct you through life because life don't come with a, a, a playbook, but it should shit. <laughs> life is, life is not easy to get through but there are playbooks you got to read them though it's plenty of books out here telling you hey this is why you crazy and this is how to get uncrazy <laughs> you know well, i would say Lori, definitely <laughs> what, what if i just held up at dianetics right now <laughs> yes ladies finally well Lori, i mean Lori is definitely one of those who's taken gone through some very difficult times and used comedy you know do you want to speak to that Look, I'm, I know I sound like Barbara Walters. I'm, I apologize. I know. Do you want to speak to that, Lori? I just want to have the filter that Barbara Walters has. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> um, yeah, but but Deandra, what kind of what you were saying, like um, uh, taking uh, taking something that's unmanageable. I always found like for me, writing a joke about like a. A, a huge feeling and sort of being able to to make it smaller and and um, more concise in joke form just made it um, I don't know uh, not so overwhelming you know so uh, you know my mom died of COVID a couple years ago it's so weird it's like a couple years ago now <laughs> she died of COVID it's so crazy but um, but I was sort of writing jokes through that on Twitter and stuff and uh, and it really helped me kind of deal with how surreal it was for that to be going down. So I, I've always felt like that with the comedy, um, whether it was, you know, tragedy or, or just, um, 
you know, raising a kid or whatever, like it's, it's so life is so overwhelming. And if you could just find what one little sliver and just sort of make it into something um, tiny that people can laugh at, that's, that feels like a win. And you took, you know, it was interesting to watch you, Lori, because like you were still doing shows while you were also in the hospital. I mean, I did a show for you during Uh the pandemic. I remember you coming on and I was like, are you at the hospital right now? Like, how are you doing this? But I thought this has to be also very helpful to, to be able to get away or to even to vent and you have comedy there. Yeah, they were like, those are just Zoom shows anyway. So they were in my room. Mm-hmm. The we, we were only allowed at the hospital once for like an hour. And I definitely didn't do a show. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, we were like in full PPE and stuff like that and doing the goodbye and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, during that time, um, I, you know, the hospital uh, put my mom on the iPad. And so we just kept her on. Um, you know, for a couple days in a row until she passed. And so my sister and I just sort of hung out with her. And so I'd, you know, be like, I'm going to go do a show. She's unconscious. I don't know what she heard. But uh, just run to my room and tell a few jokes and then go back to her. It was a good way to break it all up. It was so, it was such a strange thing because it, you really couldn't leave the house because of COVID. And, um, and yet she was just 15 minutes away from me. Right. <laughs> you know, it was, it was crazy. It was a crazy crazy time for sure. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm, I wrote to you, I called you actually, cause I was thinking about you during that time nonstop. And then I was also like, Oh shit. Are you okay though, Lori? Are you all right? <laughs> and my, my condolences for your, for your loss. Oh, but yeah, yeah, you, yes. a lot of people, um, lost people during COVID and even to see you work through it, you know, um, it helps other people to work through it because they, somebody in the audience lost somebody too. So, yeah. so yeah, to be, to be able to laugh at your pain, you know, thank you for doing that, for sharing, because like, we don't understand the value in it. You know, people don't go to therapists, they come to comedy shows and that be, they therapy sometimes. For sure. I, the, I haven't had people come up and say that they've lost a loved one to COVID, but people I've had nurses like ICU nurses several times come up and be like really uh, overly grateful for, for those jokes. You know, yeah. I'm yeah. like, what about my dick jokes? I mean, I work just as hard on those, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I also like, you never know how you're going to, yeah. Yeah. You never know how you're going to come across or what, what connects you know, with I like I I'll say on stage about mammograms and getting them. You know, like just I just say get them. You know, like you know you, you know, just like anything else, early detection is your best protection, right? Um, and I I'll get women email me and say I got made an appointment because I watched you say when you said that on stage, it actually reminded me that I hadn't made an appointment. So I need to make an appointment because like you said, two years have gone by. It doesn't feel like two years. Like when I, even when I say I had breast cancer two years ago, or it's actually three years ago, the pandemic feels like one year. Yeah. It feels like it when yeah. you talk about it. It's two years. So it's been three years, actually. You know, and you don't realize how much time has passed. You also don't look at the calendar and see, oh, my God, I need to make those appointments. And also because those appointments are all very booked up because of everything with COVID. So like I always emphasize that on stage because I know what's tragically we're going to find out is the number of cancers that 
because people just didn't get diagnosed soon enough during this time. Dental work too. Oh my God. Like I, when I first went oh, yeah. to the dentist, I was terrified because it's been two years. <laughs> and I was and you're like, like, why is the dentist backed up? <laughs> so I do want to ask, um, I, I want to ask you, Deandra. Now, first I want to give you props for also being in Chicago, being from Iowa, but being in Chicago, you're, you're, to me, you're like, a, I was like a shy town girl. A lot of people don't understand that, but right. You're like, were you really close to Chicago in Iowa? Yeah. I mean, I'm from Des Moines. Uh, you talking about when I was in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm from Des Moines, which is the capital city. It's not small town, Iowa. You know, people always, and, and yes, they do have black people in Iowa. That's what I tell people all the time. Okay. <laughs> Lots of white people, which I'm half white. So I got, you know, I got my white side there on the farms and everything <laughs> like that, but um, Des Moines is actually uh, about a four and a half, five hour drive from Chicago. Oh, okay. It's it's not far at all, you right. know. And then you got people in Chicago that are like, "Where's Iowa?" And I'm like, "It's it's, it's right, right down there. the street. Like it's it's bordering." <laughs> My siblings grew up in. I have one of those fun dads, oh, so okay. I had. <laughs> <laughs> I have siblings that grew up in Iowa close to Chicago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, but Chicago is, I mean, it's still, it's Midwestern, you know, vibe, which I'm Midwestern all day, every day. And, and I love Chicago. That was like my second home. I had my formative adult years in Chicago. So, yeah, it, it was, it was great, you know, and I, I miss Chicago. LA is okay. But it's, you know. I know Mimi. Mimi's also from Chicago too. We're oh, Chicago. Chicago. Okay. West side, South side. Where are you from? I'm from Chicago Heights. I'm from the Burbs. Oh, you're from the Burbs. See, at least you're saying that because, you know, you get people say, I'm from Chicago. And they're like, where are you from? They're from the Burbs. Well, I grew up yeah. all over <laughs> Chicago. I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up on the south side. But that is a question that you get from They go, where you grew up? Mm-hmm. See, like, mm-hmm. but it's, it's where you grew up, where you hung out at. You know, like sometimes your family live in, in the actual city and you be at their house more than your own. So you feel mm-hmm. like I'm from, you know, a couple cities. And it's possible. Yeah. You can have it all. <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, like I said, I'm not from Chicago originally, but I I consider it a second home. And I have a lot of Chicago people that consider me family, you know, I'm, and I lived I lived in Pilsen for a couple of years. I lived in oh, Oak okay. Park on the west side. And another thing that made me very credible is I learned how to uh, step like the eight oh, count step. Okay. So oh. I had to learn from a for a film. I had to learn formally with a stepper. Like we had, oh. and she took me out to some stepping sets and threw me in the fire. Oh, like was like here, now? go dance. <laughs> well, I was a one on. They do have that, but I had a one on one because I had to learn for a film. And baby, she put me out there, and she was like, "Listen, if you're not holding your own, they're not gonna ask you to dance again. They don't care." And I was like, you know. So luckily, I held my own. But um, I learned the official eight count, and once I learned that, I realized how many people really don't know. How to step? They just freestyling, you know. Because I'd be at parties and my boys would come up and we're dancing and stuff. And I'm like, hold on, you you ain't you ain't doing this right. Like, what you and you from here? You know, you claim so. But yeah, I, I was glad that was one thing that I was able to to tuck under my belt from Chicago. Was, oh, Ma- Marina is the biggest househead ever. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Listen, yes. Oh my god, I love watching your uh, your house music videos. They. Bring me back home. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a big house, Chicago house hit. But the step is the stepper thing. I never really got down. Like you were saying, it's more of a feel because my dad used to step. He would go to parties and my my dad's girlfriends would step. So he would be like, baby, come on and step with me. But I never knew what I was doing. I just followed his lead. I was like, all right, whatever you're doing, I guess I'm doing it right. I don't know. But um, I always just like go with the feeling that's absolutely right that's what you can act act like you know what you're doing you <laughs> but know? you're right a lot of people they got their own 
thing with steps. I'm and like, oh, you do a little bit of that too? Okay, that's good. Do you step, Mimi? Yeah. You yeah, step, step in the name of love? I or, step. Oh, I guess we can't say that anymore, <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that's what I do. I, I come from a family of steppers. Like my mom and my uncle and my dad, they used to win stepping competitions. So like we step at family functions, <laughs> you know? So yeah, like real steppers. <laughs> so I, I get it in. I get a two-step on. I told I told my dude, you know, if you're with a girl from Chicago, you got to learn how to step. <laughs> you can't be coming to these family functions <laughs> and not be on your shit. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Lori, do you know how to step? I don't even know how to Irish step down. So, no, I'm pretty useless. Oh, with the clogs? That'd be interesting. Yeah. Arms at the side. Yeah. No. Actually, I've never seen you dance, Lori. Have, I see, have you been? I don't really think you have. I would love no. to see that. Uh, maybe you wouldn't. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I would. Um. So the secret of Sulphur Springs, can you tell, give us just a, and then we'll get into, we'll get into hot topics in a second, but I do want to, I think because Disney plus uh, recently, like I've been pitching a show kind of to Disney, like their network. And I know they're kind of like, this is a show that I think the family can watch. Am I right? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, I always explain uh, my show. I tell people it's not foo-foo Disney. It's not your regular. So when people hear Disney, you know, I, I do think it's funny that I'm a Disney mom. I say that because I, I, <laughs> I, I like have to have drinks on occasion and I curse a little bit, but I'm a Disney mom. Um, <laughs> you know, and our show is actually a Disney Channel show. And then they put it on Disney Plus, too. I so see. it's not necessarily a Disney Plus original or exclusive, um, but they all share it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really in a lane of its own because it's it's. Uh, it takes paranormal and um, time travel it, and pushes those together. So I, I describe it as Stranger Things meets Goonies meets Back to the Future. And it really does appeal to kids and big kids, a.k.a. adults. Yeah, I watched it. I was like, I like this. Is it's good. enjoyable. I yeah. have friends that don't have kids. Yeah, they watch it. They're like, yo, w- w- what's going on? Or you have parents watching it with the kids and then the kids go to bed and the, and the parents finish it. You know, and then the kids are pissed off, you know, because they're like, <laughs> yeah. you didn't wait. Right. So um, <laughs> so it, it's it really is unique. It's one of the few things that families can sit down and watch together. They and it, and it creates really good conversation, especially our second season, because we do touch on race matters. And, and we go back in time because, you know, my daughter on the show is one of the main kids and they find a time portal. And, you know, they're able to go back. Harper, yeah. Which is my niece's name. I was like, oh, that's your niece's name? Somebody stole my niece's name. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great name. It is a great name. So I was loving it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they they go back um, because everything centers around this property called the Tremont Hotel that's haunted. Season one, they're trying to figure out what happened to this missing girl in 1990. So the kids are going back in time to solve this mystery. And they realize that their parents were actually there too. You know, I I grew up going to the summer camp. Uh, And then the second season... It, it follows my daughter in trying to figure out the connection between this property and her father's family. So there's a history there. So they go back to 1960 and 1930. So they really start to take a look at how things, people got swindled, you know, whites and blacks and things weren't always what they seemed. Stuff was stolen and, and really kind of starting to touch into the, the whole matter of reparations. And they do it in a great way because it's not like this, force it, you know, force it in your face, stuff it down your throat. It, 
it's a way that people can go, oh, okay, I get it. And you can have those conversations with these kids, you know, especially now. I mean, and these kids need to know about this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I don't even get on the critical race theory, all that stuff. History is history. And, and you need to talk about it. You know, you can't just only talk about pieces of it. So I love that they're doing that. I love, it's not predictable. The show's not predictable. You know, you, it leaves you hanging and you're like, wait, what? What's going to happen? You know, and, and yeah, it's, I'm really honored to be able to be a part of it. So it's really unique. And hopefully that does create kind of that new avenue of, of shows that appeal to everybody. It's really important. And, and culturally, you know, I think you can appeal to a broad, uh, broad audience. Yeah, I think yeah. it's wonderful because I was watching the first, I started watching the first season just to get familiar of with the show. And then I, and then I noticed like the second season, I was like, because when you're watching it, you're like, so the black girl's hanging out with the white boy. Ain't nobody going to address it. We got, <laughs> you know, and then you get to see like how it becomes a part of this, the history. It's really important, especially in the second season. Like, what's this yeah. mean? What's this hotel mean? So I love that. And, mm -hmm. um, and I love that they have it going through this young girl too, mm -hmm. Harper, yeah. um, to give, you know, young black girls something to look at. And I'm, I'm actually curious now I can have this conversation with my nieces and ask them if they're watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I hope so. Like, how old are your nieces? 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, but I'm liking the show. So I'm no, but like I said, adults, like they're, they're literally watching it, you know, maybe more than kids. I don't know, you know. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a really special show. So and I'm not just saying that just because I'm on it. Now, you, you know, both but. have now, Lord, does your son and does your daughter, Deandra, watch the show or my son almost only watches anime. Mm. Uh, that great. seems to be his major obsession. We just watched. Uh, do, I, do you guys watch Attack on Titan? No, no. Mm -hmm. All right. How old uh, is your son? <laughs> He's 15. He's 15? Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, anime is huge. Like, that's like, that's a yeah. whole world. My daughter had some friends, and they were in the car one day. I was driving in track meet, and they're talking about all the anime stuff. I was lost. I, I didn't know what they were talking <laughs> about. I was like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. my, my daughter, you know, she watched the first couple episodes of the first season, and then she didn't watch the rest. And she's a binger. So she's like a Netflix girl, though. She's like, she will watch whole series and then watch them again. Okay, I don't really know how she does that. Um, <laughs> she watches it again. You do that too? <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. She'll watch a whole series. I'm talking about all the seasons. I'm and like watch it, it over. Again? I, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a special. She's a student. It's, it's like, like a, that's how a scholar. It's, I'm impressed. <laughs> if, it's a, if it's a type of, um, if it's a type of genre that I'm interested in writing in, then I'll, I'll watch it and rewatch it just to see like how they do the storyline and how they like, you know, build up the characters. It's more like, I guess, research for like other projects that I like to do, like similar, something like that. So, yeah. So that's, see, yeah, that's, you have like a reason, you know, to rewatch. My daughter just be watching it. I'm like, you didn't even finish watching my show. You watching this for the third time. And she's like, my mom, you know, but she did finally, I was giving her a hard time about it. I said, man, my own daughter ain't even watched the show. I can't even talk to you about what happened. You know, I didn't because she's, she's a freshman now in college. And, uh, and so then she said, she finally sat down and once she started, she binged. Yeah. You know, it's a, binger. Like a day. It's definitely yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. then finally she's like, well, I can't believe that they left it like that at the end of the second season and blah, blah, blah. And now she want to, you know, have something to say about it. So, so now she's into it, you know, and, uh, 
and excited that we're going to go for back for a third season. Yes, I thank saw you, that. You just found this yeah. out, right? Congratulations. Yeah, a couple weeks ago. Thank you. Thank you. Now how? What is that feeling to wait? Like as an actor, I got I got two more questions and we'll, we'll I just I'm so curious, though, what it's like to wait to find out about whether it's going to be renewed, or whether your character. I mean, your character has to come back. You're the mother. Right. But you never know. So what does that it, feel like to hear it's renewed? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just to touch back on the whole you never know thing. I mean, my first season on the show, I was in 10 of the 11 episodes. I was just a recurring guest star which seemed a little weird because I was in most of the shows, right? But I saw that. the second season, I'll keep parts of this story out, but the second season, I ended up being <laughs> promoted to a series regular, right? And I was in all the episodes, which is great. So no, going into the third season, you know, this is my first time as a series regular waiting for the word, right? That we're going to get picked up. Um, I, I didn't know for sure if we were. I wasn't super nervous because it's just, it's hard for shows this day and age to make it. That's you know, right. you have amazing shows that get cut after a season and then you have terrible shows that keep running. That's so right. there's no rhyme or reason. And I was like, man, you know, this show to me is really unique. It has a huge audience. Um, I think at least one more season we'd have to get, you know, in my mind, it makes sense. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't know for sure when we would get the word. So, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I guess there was a kind of a deadline that they had to make a decision by, which I wasn't even aware it was that soon. So in a way, it was good that I didn't know that right. it was coming up. Um, and then a couple of days after that deadline, they they made the calls and said, hey, we got picked up and this and that. So it was it was great because I was hoping. But also, I know nothing's guaranteed in this business. So <laughs> you don't really want to get your hopes up too high right. because it may not happen. You know, so I'm very grateful that we got this third season um maybe we'll be shooting this summer i don't know for sure yet when but um hopefully we get more after that third season but um and you'll be sweating more (laughs) and i'll be down there sweating i'm I'm gonna work it out though because it's all worth it you know what i mean it's like i said i it's a great cast it's a great story it's a great crew um i i mean and honestly as an actor i'm kind of spoiled because the main you know cast of the show are kids so kids can only work so many hours a day like eight hours a day. Oh, okay. So, you know, on shows where it's mostly adults, you in there working, like you can have some long days, right? Like 12 plus hour days. Our show, there's a couple times, like there's times I'll be like me twice a week for like six hours a day if that, because of my character's not in it as much as the kids. And then we can't work crazy hours because we got kids. So in a way, it's kind of like, oh, this is nice because I'm working, but I'm kind of on vacation too, you know, down in New Orleans. It is a funny thing when you get the job, you land the job, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Now I have to work now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. right. When you're in the trailer, you're like just sitting there. Oh, I have to do something. Yeah, Yeah, when you're sitting there in the trailer just waiting for your part, and it's like five hours later, you're like, oh, that's right. This is part of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. congratulations that is Thanks. huge so you know kudos because it is tough and i see like i'm watching you on screen you look great on screen your acting is effortless doesn't take me out i'm like go go thank go. you i appreciate that. i thank often you. wonder though like okay one more question as um <laughs> as a disney do you get kids that write you often or do you get kids that recognize you and do you have to like sort of like maintain this sort of like 
Disney space on your social media and everything. I know, like I'm a Disney princess. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I don't. I don't. I haven't received anything in writing. I don't really. I'm not in that whole funnel yet. Maybe the kids are with the Disney powers that be. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do. I, I have received a, a big following on social media of, of kids. You know, of, of um, you know, followers and fans. Um, and then in person. I don't, you know, I'm not like, like I said, I'm not like a name actor, you know, so people be like, I feel like I've seen you somewhere before, you know, or they find out you're acting, what have I seen you in? You know, you get that and you're like, well, if you watch a certain show, I might've popped up, you know, it's, it's not. So I'm not like this super rec- recognizable person. However, there has been like a couple times lately, like in the, like the last couple weeks where like I was in the store, for instance, at the grocery store, I'm getting ready to go through self-checkout and I look over behind me and there's like a mom and three kids standing here. And they were all kind of looking at me and I was like, oh, okay, you know, and I'm like checking out and then I finish and I look around and they're just like, <laughs> and I was like, uh, and in my mind, I'm like, I think they know who they, you know, they must watch the show, you know, and I have my mask on, but I think what gives me away is cause I have my natural colors, my Love natural it. highlights and I wear the, and I, the show allows me to wear it, which I'm really thankful because I want to represent real people and I want to empower women and say, I want to age gracefully. Like, I want to say, you can have this. It doesn't mean you have to be this old, decrepit woman, you know? Um, and so I think that gives me away a little bit. But they didn't say anything. But I just felt like they knew, you know? Yeah. And then I was at this event just last week, too. And this little girl just looked at me and her mom. It was, it was for Twitter. And her mom was one of the, the global director. And, and, they were, and she came up to me. She's like, my daughter and I, we watch the show. She's a huge fan. She's like 10 years old, you know? And it was like, we took pictures and just the smile on her face. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know? Um, that was the highlight of my night, you know, the kid recognizing me. It was like, oh, um, so I'm, I get it here and there. Uh, but, you know, I love kids because in my former life, I worked with kids, you know. So, like, I have a special place in my heart for kids. It's not a hard thing to be able to interact with them on social media. You know, I'm still getting the hang of all that. I'm kind of old school. You know, you get people. I'm starting to get inboxes and more and more. And you, you have to be a little careful with certain things. But, mm. you know, I do try to respond to some of them because they'll post little things on the story and then you repost it and they're like, oh my gosh, they reposted my thing, you know, and it's like this whole thing. And I'm just like, thank you. You know, I appreciate your support. Oh my gosh, you, thank you for responding to me. And I'm like, yo, you know, I appreciate you. And I try to keep it light and at least have that human interaction because it is important for kids to see that we are human and that we're real people. And I understand, like, I'm not in this business for fame and fortune. Like, I, I would say I didn't choose acting. Acting chose me. I didn't start acting until I was 30. So I never planned on being here. So in being here, I understand that the fame side of it, it's a side effect. It comes with it, you know, and you have to, I mean, yeah, you lose a little bit of your anonymity in life, possibly, but I truly enjoy people. So, you know, if it's, if somebody's going to come to me or I get, you know, following and they want to interact, I'm going to try to try to do my best to be a nice person and, and be a positive person that they can look up to. I'm still going to be me. You know, I don't feel like, I mean, I, maybe I've toned back a little bit of posting some vulgar or like, you know, profanity <laughs> stuff. Cause I got some stuff, I got some words I like to use that aren't necessarily nice words. Right. And I have to kind of watch it a little bit, but, uh, <laughs> cause the kids are watching, no, cause yeah, the, kids, cause the, the kids babies are watching, mm-hmm. the babies are watching, but, um, but it's, it hasn't been too, too bad in dealing with that, you know? Nice. So I, I, like I said, to be, to be an inspiration or to encourage kids that they're, you know, I tell people all the time, there's almost nothing you can't do. You know, and there's a quote that I live by that says, it's never too late to be what you might have been. And I really, truly believe that because, like I said, I started at 30. I'm a little girl from Iowa. 
I was a single parent. And I was like, in Chicago, I was like, I'm going to go be on TV and film. Wow. And here I am, you know, so. Congratulations. Thank you. That's really cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. I think that's a, 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 it's for Women's Month. That's why it's so awesome to have you here, all of you, you know, because I think we, we do have to make these, you know, as women choices, you know, um, that's why we have in here these articles. Look at my segue. (laughs) Um, I'm not supposed to point to it, but I just did. (laughs) I, I think. Katanji Brown is making history as the first black woman to be nominated to the United States Supreme Court. She was born in D.C. and raised in Florida, attending Harvard for both undergraduate and law degrees. Her law career has focused on public service, serving as a federal public defender and clerk for two judges on the federal bench, along with Justice Stephen Breyer. She became a judge in 2010 when nominated by former President Obama, coming up as a potential candidate for SCOTUS then as well after the death of Scalia. Jackson was a member of the Federal Sentencing Commission that overhauled mandatory minimum drug punishments, opposing controversial legal moves by the Trump administration. So how are we feeling about her? Like, do we know, was there anyone like that we wanted that didn't get in? Um, so I feel that it was a, a great decision. Um, I'm sure she is three times more qualified than her counterparts as women always are. I feel like in general, women should be in leadership positions because men have been fucking this planet up. Um, like this, our, the planet is, you know, Looking like Martin when he fought Tommy Earn, like everything <laughs> fucked up. Like the oceans, the forest, the air, the ozone layer. Like men have been in charge all this time, and with their hyper masculinity, you know, and and war and greed, they just, you know, they need balance. We need balance, and. And men have been ruling this this world, this planet for so long, and they haven't been doing a great job of it. Earth is on its last leg, you know. So you look at other countries that have women leaders, like, for instance, when COVID happened, all the countries that had the fewest amount of deaths were had, were, had women leaders. New Zealand, Iceland, Germany, you know, like, the, the countries that did the worst, U.S., <laughs> We were amongst the words. We had the most death, the most, you know, everything. Um, so I think it's always a, a good idea to put a woman in the uh, in the driver's seat because um, y'all be talking about we can't drive. <laughs> you niggas can't drive because <laughs> y'all drove y'all almost drove Earth off its axis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. What well, they say like a lot of times uh, men don't like to follow the directions. It's like if you putting something together. And they don't want to look at the directions, but then they and then they messing up. The women look at the directions, and then we get it right because we follow the directions. Are you following the map? You following the direct- you know what I mean? It's yeah, it's time to pass it over. It's like you had a chance. Let us try and let us see what we can do. I mean, we've been we've been proving it and doing a great job every time. Look at all the countries that have women leaders. They are thriving. Their economies are thriving. Their education thriving. Like they're everything. So I say, I see, I say, put the tits in place. Mm-hmm. Give us, give us a chance. 
I, I, I think she's so much more qualified than Amy Coney Barrett. And um, uh, she's, I like that she's a public defender, you know, uh, we just need people thinking from that point of view a little bit more on the Supreme Court. And she's young, she's 51. So, you know, I, not that I think elderly people should be on the Supreme Court all the time, but they seem to stay until they hit their 80s. So we have, you know, 30 years. We need younger people yes. in office. I'm sick of these people dying in office. You shouldn't be dying in office. You shouldn't, you know, why are presidents so damn old? You know, like y'all should be working on y'all bucket list and you running (laughs) (laughs) and and you trying to get another job. Fuck out of here, man. Go sailing or something like (laughs) like we need younger, smarter, more tech savvy people in office that earned it. I'm tired of trust fund babies. People passing down office positions, you know, just because of who they are and not what they know and and us voting on them based on semantics and not based on what they what they're actually doing. They just hold in these positions like um, who is it? Uh, Gary Chambers. I was going to bring him up. Yeah. Yes. Running um, in in um, Louisiana and. I love the fact that he brings up real issues. Hey, this is this is what's going on in, in our state. You know, this is where we're at with education. This is where we're at financially. Like, this is our, our jail system. This is our policing system. Like, none of it's working out. Why are we still doing the same thing over and over again? Why aren't we addressing these issues? You know, so I feel like, um, yeah, uh, all these old, you know, white people in office, they, they all need to go. Like, your, your, your parents own slaves, you know, like, get out of here. Literally, like, Queen Elizabeth, you know, like, I think, like, people like Queen Elizabeth still being, and you were, you've been around through all the shit. It is funny, though, to hear her talk to them and say it. Like, she is quite old, so, like, she's, her filters kind of, like, when they were, like, when they asked her how she was doing, and she's, like, you see, I can't move. (laughs) Like, she's, she's that, you know, old lady. Yeah. Do you know Stalin was running the Soviet Union when she came to power? Oh, wow. Wow. She's, she's seen, like, the entire 20th century, it feels like, unfold in her lifetime. It's crazy. Yeah, I do feel like like a part of that is true. But then there's also like I don't like ageism, right? Like I do like seeing uh-huh. people who are senior at their jobs who do know what they're talking about in a sense, you know, and I don't think we give enough credit to people who've reached a certain age in their profession that really kind of have a broad like like expertise. Yeah, they have an expertise. They have years of seeing things, you know. But I think it's important to have that, but also to be open to new ideas and oh, the changing scope of everything. So yes, being old but open. <laughs> well, so someone like Diane Feinstein, like she's she's eighty seven, and apparently she's going to run again. It's like let it go. You you've you've been a senator for a really long time. Let someone else jump in. She's so not vital anymore. You know, oh, she's she, not. She does no. Uh-uh. She's one of California senators. Young no, I remember smart. those kids. I I remember her because those kids were asking her questions, and she 
was telling them that they have to respect her. Do you remember that moment? Yeah. And they were Uh like really holding her to like her promise. And she was like, you need to know who you're talking to. Like, I do know who I'm talking to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I I did understand her in a sense because she was like, there is there was a certain manner of disrespect they were coming at with their questions, but I felt like she could have answered it, too. There's the NYPD boss's first week's a rush of tragedy arise in scrutiny. So in New York City, police commissioner Keyshawn Sewell, or I know I'm messing up this name, Sewell had to confront the killing of two police officers in her first month on the job. The city and its new mayor, Eric Adams, are grappling with an increase in gun violence that began early in the pandemic and has remained higher in the historic lows of 2018 and 2019. The steady toll of shootings in some neighborhoods, including an incident where an 11th month old was shot in the Bronx, a spate, a spate of attacks involving Asian American victims and the killing of two officers have contributed to elevated anxiety over public safety. And at the same time, the relationship between the police and some communities in the city remains fraught. In our interview, Commissioner Sewell said that she wants her time as department leader to be evaluated by how she addresses both concerns over safety and what she called the conditions that cause fear. Now she's, this is the first time a black woman is in charge, you know, like, and she was crying, you know, and you just feel like whenever you're the first, the scrutiny, you know, what you're going to get is so much more than any man that enters that position. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, well, it, and it kind of reminds me of, of, of course he's a man, but when Barack Obama took office, you know, when you're coming in, like you said, as a first in any capacity, and then you're walking into this mess that's already happening <laughs> and you're like inheriting that and you're yeah. already under the microscope, you're already being scrutinized before you've even taken the reins. It's just seems like such an unfair, you know, start that you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is an opportunity, and I hope for her that she's able to have the endurance and prevail and, and really rise up against all the naysayers and continue to be strong and, and make those changes and, and show that she can handle it. Because, yeah, she does have a tougher, she's coming in with a lot more on her plate than other people do, you know, yeah. and it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But, hey, I don't believe in accidents. I believe that she's there for a reason. And, I mean, I hope she shows everybody what's up <laughs> you know that's tough though that's i mean and to hear that she was crying and, and doing those things i mean again i think that you can see the compassion and you know that she has you know i don't think it was just to put on for show but like you know when some people actually people care you know to me i want to be behind them when you actually do have a heart about human the human condition and people I want a leader that cares. Yeah, it's interesting because they're saying that she has done a lot of press conferences because the older commissioner was always on New York One, which I watch in New York still. A lot of New Yorkers don't still watch. I watch New York One all the time. It's crazy. Um, as you get older, you just watch the news. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I find that if she were to be in the press, they would be criticizing her so much. So maybe it's good that she's taken i think it's smart that she's kind of stayed away you know until she gets it right 
What a what a horrible job! You can, there's not enough money in the world to run NYPD. It's just it's unmanageable. They're like they're larger than Ukraine's armed forces. I read really. It's like yeah, yeah. Wow, bigger than the yeah the militarization of the of the of the police. But I will say this in New York City right now. I don't know what's going on in in California where you both are, Lori and Deandra. Like. Do you feel the safety issues? Do you, are you feeling it? Are you feeling nervous at all? Or do you see it? I don't know. I don't, I don't feel particularly nervous. No. Um, about anything. I mean, I think that overall, just with the nature of the world, people are just, I mean, they're acting out big time everywhere. <laughs> so, I mean, the rise in crime, I mean, the stuff, people are just doing, doing way too much. There's a lot of people that need some timeouts. That's what we say in this house. Like, oh, they need a timeout. All these people, you know, <laughs> robbing people, running up on people, stealing people's dogs, doing people stealing people's uh, what is it? The the catalytic converters under their cars, oh, yeah. the Priuses. I don't, I don't have a Prius, but I see in my next door neighbor app all the time. Somebody got their you know catalytic converter stolen, and it's just it's just it's unfortunate that we're in this space. It's just that. Everybody is, is struggling. Everybody's trying to grasp for something, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't condone those methods, but I can see why it's happening. Unfortunately, even the people that are in the higher positions, um, even people that are on the police force, I mean, everybody is struggling to a certain extent, you know, so it's just kind of this trickle down effect and, and, and nobody really knows how to, I mean, we got to get a grasp on it somehow, but our world has just been tossed up in the air right now and, and it's still spinning. I mean, it's always spinning, but you know what I mean? It's spinning. I think a real um, issue um, is education. Um, we, education and funding within schools of like projects, um, mental health, like all of that stuff uh, plays a part as to why people commit crimes because they don't got shit. And because in order to get shit, you have to be educated or trained in something. But in, in our country, we treat education like it's a, a privilege when it should be a right. You know, we, we make education almost impossible. It costs $100,000 a year to learn. You know what I'm saying? That's insane. Other countries that have women leaders learn for free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, not here, though. Here, though, oh, education. Oh, you want to learn. Oh, <laughs> oh you going to have to pay to learn. And don't try to learn in no other district. You go to jail. You know, like, black people, we, we I don't like, I don't, you don't like this learning over here. And they try to go where they have better education, better school system, better books better curriculums and they actually go to do jail time for trying to learn more. Yes. You hear what I'm saying? Like they want you if they want feed you shit and keep you in the dark. They want this turmoil. They want us to be crazy and, and, and shooting each other and all that. They don't want us to be progressive and that's why they make it so hard for us. But when you get better leadership people that genuinely care about people and that see the issues. See, the thing why they don't want to teach critical race theory is because you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. 
They figure it out like, hey, these people are figuring out where they're going. And if they figure out where they've been, they're going to realize how much money we owe them, reparations, the different ways they can receive their reparations, because it ain't always just money. It's land. It's tax breaks. It's education. Stop treating it like it's in, in other countries. If you have the mental capacity to get through like medical school medical school is free medical school is free everything like but here it will cost you so much money and it's insane because there's no rhyme or reason behind it either why are books four hundred dollars and then you're in debt for like decades yeah and then when you get out of school you're in debt forever and then you're paying back money all this predatory lending the greed of men is going to sink this planet that's why we need to get all these niggas out of office. Every single one of them. <laughs> no. and, but this is the thing. I'll, I'll even take some trans men. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you switched over, bitch, you switched over. Come on, sis. You know what I'm saying? But I say get, I say get all these men, I, old, especially the old men. Like, and I don't mean to, to sound ageist or sexist, but you've had your chance. And and you haven't been doing right. <laughs> so, and women have been showing to be better leaders. Let us lead. Let us do it. We can handle yeah, it. Was, We're not going to start wars and keep blowing up the planet that's already weak. We, we have the money, too. Like, the, the amount of money that the government just gave people uh, and gave companies, like PPP loans, during COVID, it's like, oh, you, you're sitting on that? <laughs> Well, uh, spend it and keep spending it. Why are you keeping like it? Like Aaron Rodgers got like a hundred million dollars in PPP loans or some crazy. shit like that. What? But <sighs> but you greedy fuck. Yeah. You don't need no money. Like you didn't. I like- just spoke to the owner of the soul food restaurant here in Harlem. She's very well known. I can't say her name because it was a private conversation between us. But you know, I get to know everyone in. I get to know everyone lately in my community more than I ever did because of the pandemic because I was forced to stay in it. Um, So (laughs) she told me that there were some celebrity chefs that got those PPP loans and she called them out and they sent it back. You know, so it's so funny because I was just recently talking to like the owner of the commie seller. This is not putting him out on blast. He says it quite openly on he always talks about what white men aren't getting or what business owners aren't getting. And I'm like, if you look at how many scams that these white men pull, then, yeah, it's equal that they're not getting something now. I mean, you could look at Trump and how he tries to call uh, affordable housing and his towers affordable and they aren't they're just tax breaks or ways to like rig the system i mean and we all saw it we all saw it during the pandemic now um i will say the issue of crime in new york city right now is so it's visceral like you don't get away from it it's on the subways it's in the neighborhoods I had two kids that were shot in front of my building. Um, it's like not a joke. It's like Yamanika lives not so far. She had two kids shot in front of her building. The, There's a young lady that was shot at Burger King. So the conversation is intense where black people want the cops. And this is not, uh, um, you know, this is the conversation. I go to the precinct 
look, I go to the community board meetings. I go to all of it because I ain't got nobody. So I got time. <laughs> um, so I go to the Block A Association meetings. I listen to these conversations. And I mean, these are people, black people in the community are going, we deserve to be protected. We just don't want to be respected. Also, we don't want to be killed. We want to, but we deserve the right to be protected. And it's, they're not feeling it right now in black communities. And I feel like cops are going, well, you said defund the police. So we're tapping out of this, you know? And it's like black people are saying, no, 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 you can't tap out. We just, we don't want you to treat us wrong when we need help. So there's a, like, so, you know, I think it's really important that there is a black woman who is in charge, who is a commissioner, who is now the face who is talking because she says what's not what's not been addressed is how this administration is going to protect New Yorkers from racial profiling, from hyper aggressive policing, from police abuse and civil rights violations and from a lack of accountability. So if she's talking about that, then there's somewhere where we can begin to have a better conversation about this. And you, you said something really important, like. It, it really comes down to the greater good and everybody needs to understand it. It's not like, a, you know, when the whole defund the police thing um, because of the police brutality and especially the racism, the historic, historic racism that's been happening. And then the police side, people are like, oh, well, you don't want us to have any money and don't do anything. So we're going to be upset, you know, but it's like, no, but we need your help. We need you to do your job unbiased to protect all people, not just certain people. You know, it's like you have this like this little standoff, you know, and it's really unfortunate because if people would just put their ego aside and go, okay, we need to work together to take care of this and, and, you know, put all that other stuff. Okay, I need to come and serve my community. Every single person in my community, because at the end of the day, it's about the human condition. I tell people all the time, we are all brothers and sisters. We have to take care of each other. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you, you know what I'm saying? Like you could have a horn grown up at your head. You might be purple with polka dots. I don't care. You know, it's about being good people. And so many people in this day and age are more worried about self. They're selfish. I'm just going to focus on me. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to mind my business. Ain't got nothing to do me. And they'll walk past that person that needs help. <laughs> you know what it's like? It, go ahead. <laughs> Such a, a great point, um, you know, about being good people. I feel like you should be a good person to, to hold office. And I feel like there's a way to determine if somebody's a good person or not, you know, like there's like tests you can take this psychological tests, and, you know, just like, just see how you respond to certain things. They're like, they're therapists that make up tests to figure out who you are with dating. Why can't we do that for people that want to hold office? What type of person are you? Are you somebody that's going to take responsibility? Are you somebody that are you greedy? You know, um, are, are you a little insane? Like Putin is a, so insane. I know this man should be getting a check. You know what I'm saying? Like you have been obsessing over Ukraine for 30 some years. Get the fuck over it, dude. Like, you know, like how are you sitting in Russia like this ain't enough? Like for 30 years, like I, I need more. Like why? What is wrong with you and your obsessive ass behavior? We need to make sure that people aren't psychopaths when they get in office. We should have presidents and stuff take psychological tests. 
They should have to take, you know, um, geography tests. Because some of these niggas don't be knowing what shit is on the planet. Uh, Trump (laughs) said he met the president of the Virgin Islands. Like, nigga, you're the president of the Virgin Islands. What is you talking about? I like... Why are you the president and you don't know that you're the president? Like this is what I'm saying. Like they they don't even be smart enough to be in office. Or Sarah Palin, she said I could see Russia from my window. Famous quote. <laughs> she got a hell of a telescope. <laughs> She's great eyesight. Mm-hmm. So if Putin rears his little head, I remember that interview. Like if he what I'll see him. Like what are you talking about? But that just that just goes to show how people can, you know, do all the smoke and mirrors and you can get put in office, but legit do not be qualified at all. Have the IQ of a toothbrush, but your family's family has been in politics. Y'all got money. George Bush, like I love that toothbrush. What do you mean? Like a two point oh? <laughs> no, like the IQ of a tooth a toothbrush has no IQ. I was starting to think I was like does it okay go ahead I was just listening very intently water pick has a little bit of an IQ very (laughs) like you can be white and be very mediocre and get into the highest Mm -hmm. offices and it's it's crazy to me George Bush he was a C average student he got he was a trust fund baby that got into a um the college because he because his family what's it called when your family went there and so legacy legacy, Mm -hmm. you a legacy kid him and trump you didn't have good grades why are you the president you know what i'm saying like to to be in these high offices there any of them you should be the smartest the brightest have the best analytical skills and they have none of this but they got money and they and and they have privilege yeah, and, and that's kind of like in the sports world, like, you know, and, and I guess in film world, you'll see about this with like directors. They say this is, these businesses, people fail their way to the top. Like they continue to work and they're like have losing seasons back to back. They can't ever get anything, to, you know, going or their their films fail constantly or they're not, you know, or they're bad. They're just not nice people. You know, they have stories about they're still working. They're still getting those job opportunities. They're still, you know, and it is it's it's a very large group of people with privilege you know, that are the ones that get those opportunities over and over. How weird again. is it to see that in, I'm just now realizing it at my age, which is, you know, obviously I'm in menopause, so you should figure, do the your own math. But um, how weird is it to see privilege that exists in Hollywood? It is actually in Hollywood too. I, I didn't think it was. And then I realized, oh, all these years that I thought I was playing fair by just talent had nothing to do with my talent. Had everything, because you mentioned something in an interview, Deandra, about like the schools of theater and like you didn't, you didn't like go through the formal training, right? Yeah, I'm not formally trained. You know, I don't have a BFA, MFA, none of that. You know, I'm at a point now where I went, I did go and, and, and uh, I went to, got an MFA from Syracuse. But I will say though, a lot of times I look back and I go, was that a tax right? Like they, did I really learn anything I couldn't have just by hands on? Because I feel like I just wasted money and I'm still paying for those student loans. And the, wow. these acting programs, 
I mean, you know, there is a there is a craft to acting, no doubt. But a lot of times, I wonder, you know, how much of it is. Really I mean, I think necessary. honestly, for a lot of careers, aside from like medical and and thirst, you know, legal and things like that, where you really need to know all of, all the shit. You know what I'm saying? A lot of stuff's hands on. You know, once you get in there and you start doing it, and you learn it. And with acting, I don't really think honestly that your level of education and acting for, from from my opinion is a big factor when it comes to the work um but what i did learn what i remember seeing several years ago i was guest starring on a show and i remember sitting there amongst the main cast and they were all great and they were talking about agents or something like that and i realized that like at least three of them had the same agent mm. and it was one of the big agencies right so you have like the three hired, like the top three, and then you have whatever. And I sat here, I was like, damn. I said, they all with the same agent. And then I end up learning that there's auditions that I'm not, I can't even get into because I don't have one of the top That's agents. Right. I'm not even getting a consideration. I can't even get it. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, oh, hot damn. I didn't even realize that. Like I'm at this disadvantage because I'm not at that level. I said, and that's messed up because you have all these other people that have potential and talent and could blow these other people out of the water, but they're not even getting a chance because they're not, you know, represented by this certain level. So there's, there's that type of privilege yes. in here and it's unfortunate as hell. It's unfortunate. There's like <laughs> internships that shows do, but to do, to be an intern, you have to afford to work for free for a semester. And so you're only going to get a certain economic class of kid and, uh, so, yeah. th so that then they feed into show business. And so you're constantly getting that that type of person only, uh, you know, writing comedy or, right. or yeah. stuff like that. And it really it really real. limits it. Yeah, it's it, it, it just it's uh, it's so someone's dad knows someone too. I mm -hmm. often hear about like someone's like I, I started to realize I was like, oh, that's so and so's daughter. <laughs> you know, like. I didn't know that. I thought they were just AP or PA. I mean, not AP. Mm -hmm. PA, AP would be. We, we, we knew what you meant. <laughs> With the Associated Press. But you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it might be. Might be right, oh. right. But it's like, you know, I thought it was this PA person was just this little kid that just had a dream. But you realize they're connected and then they get and then they get pushed into these positions. And it's just a cycle of privilege in Hollywood. And, and it, that that's. And that's why it is important. And I'm not in a place where I have a lot of pull, you know, with, you know, my position or whatever. But like I'm seeing now as I, you know, like, for instance, on my show, you know, there was a moment where uh, we had a couple background actors. It was really, you know, it was really hot. It's New Orleans. And in between takes, they had them sitting kind of on this patio. I mean, it was shaded, but it was really, really hot out there. And in my mind, I'm like, it didn't hit me at first. But I was like, they should be sitting inside in the air condition and because they were older women. And I was like, well, why are they not? You know, because I have a crew mentality. When I first moved here, my first two years, I did stand in work on shows. So I was part of the crew. I was in the trenches for 12 plus hour days, five days a week. Wow. So I'm always in crew mentality when I'm on a set. I'm not this diva like, oh, no, you, you're peasant folk. I'm not. No, you know, where it takes all That's of us. Right. right. There's no little people on a production. So, you know, I had to I said something into the P.A.s. Or the APs, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> I told them, I was like, you know, wait, can they, why are they out there? Like, there's more than enough room. I know we got COVID and pandemics and shit like that, but there's more than enough room. And they're like, oh, well, uh, 
And then shortly thereafter, we finished. But, you know, I approached those ladies. I saw them when I was leaving. I said, you know, I just want to say I'm sorry you guys had to sit outside in that heat. And they, oh, and they were so nice. Oh, no, no, it's okay. And they were just so, like, grateful to me for even talking to them. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's about just treating people with respect. And it doesn't matter who you are, you know. So I think in positions now, like, I'm seeing where I, I want to be able to help people when I can. So that's where that comes in, in that privilege when you're in those positions, like, instead of because you you know, came from a family that was well-to-do or you're connected or whatever, you know, it is about relationships, but, you know, I can be in a position where I can bring on people that may not have had this opportunity or help get them in the door to be a PA or do something that, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and all you can do is try, right? right. But that's what you need more of. It's like when you, I mean, they're different with sayings. It's like when you, I don't know, Sit, when you're sitting at a table or something, bring, bring people to, I, I'm messing up the whole thing. But anyway, there's some great, bring people to the breakfast table, things. bring people to the breakfast or feed pe- other people or, you know what give I'm saying? Like, and, and I always least. tell people, yeah, give them, mm-hmm. give them a little crown something. something. But like the way I, what I do say is what good is my gift if I don't use it to help that's others? Right. So, you know, that's how we can try our best to really counteract the, 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 priv- the historic privilege part yeah. of it. But yeah, there is, like I said, the further I go up the channel, the more I, the curtain gets pulled back and you see the politics and the politics they're involved in just every scope of the world. You know, it's not just every. the business. But. So, so Ugh. we all, we yeah. all suffer, you know, when, when people in privilege get in positions that they aren't qualified because you're, you're in a position and you're actually supposed to be doing shit. But you're not supposed to be there, so you're not doing the shit that's supposed to be getting done. You don't even know what you're doing. You just here because your daddy got you this job or you related to this person. So imagine, you know, all the the stuff that didn't get done while Trump was in office because you have all your kids in key leadership positions and all these positions affect other positions. And and so much stuff wasn't going to because you guys absolutely weren't qualified. The presidency should not be a hands on learning job. You should have knew what you was doing when you got there. And and you nor none of your kids were qualified for any of those positions. So when, when shit happened with the economy and, and with policing and, and this and that, it's yeah, it's because we had the wrong leadership in office and shit that was supposed to be getting done wasn't getting done because people of privilege. We need, you know, qualified candidates, well vetted vetted out psychologically the education level like like do you know are you qualified for this job not who do you know because the the job needs to be fulfilled it's important it's important for everybody the trickle down effect you know shit rolls downhill so we wonder why our economy and you know uh our education system and crime it's all tied in because you put people like Bessie DeVos in charge of education, you know, so like a Where billionaire. Where's she go? We don't, I don't, I don't know. Don't know. Being a billionaire. It don't even matter where she at. Where- I'm about to say something. <laughs> uh, uh, like, hopefully. No, I ain't gonna say it. I ain't gonna say it. I'm a- well, I, I, I will say like, um, Oh, I forgot my point. It was so good too. It was something you. S- I hate that. I've been it was doing something that, like, you s- in the middle of a thought. Like, it was so good because I, I think Mimi. Oh, I was gonna say this. Like, 
when we talk about like the Supreme Court pick, right? Because I had this conversation about Biden saying he wanted a black woman and everyone was like, why is he saying that out loud? He should say that, you know, and why it's racist to say, you know, like, let's talk about that. Do you think it's racist to say I want a black woman in the position of Supreme in the Supreme Court? No, no, I think it's it's necessary. Um, And we are way too underrepresented in so many key leadership positions. And it's been proven when you put us in play, we make shit happen. Look at look at this woman's qualifications. We're not talking about somebody that went to DeVry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Harvard graduate, like top of her class, uh, prosecutor. Yeah, o- over yeah. overly qualified. And the person she's competed against. I've often said it's racist to say that a black woman, when someone says it's just a... Um, a, a, a Something higher. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a affirmative affirmative action, action higher. diversity yeah. higher. Or that's racist yeah. because then you're saying that that person is not qualified when you say that. Like you're assuming that. And these this woman is overqualified. They never point to that. It's whenever a, I always feel whenever a black person, black woman gets to a position, she is so past being qualified that it's like. What are you talking about? This is the person you want. This person had to fight so much injustice, had to deal with so much criticism, had to do twice the amount of work to prove that they're actually good at what they're doing. Because it, I mean, unfortunately, oh, go ahead, Mimi. No, no. I know. I was going to say the unfortunate side is we just want, we need to get to it. We hopefully we will get to a place where it doesn't, we don't have to say black white, yellow, brown, male, female. It's just whoever is the best person for the job. <laughs> and we don't have to focus on that, you know, but we still, we still have to have a, a, a sense of focus on it because for advocacy, for, you know, because we're saying I need a black woman in this position because like you said, underrepresented, we don't have this. That's why we need this, you know, because we're, we got to get away from this all white, especially male dominated, you know, world. So that's why we do have to verbally say these things, but hopefully we will get to a place where it doesn't, it's not about anybody's color, anybody, everybody's on an equal plane. But it's also good to point out that black people do good things. That's the thing that's missing is all the time we, in the news, we see all of the negative stuff. Black people get more COVID. Black people do this. Black people, they always focus on the bad stuff that we doing, but it's about time we focus on the good stuff. And what we're and and ends to say that black women are very good at this, you know, um, black people are achieves this at a great level. It's it's nice to hear because we don't get that. Go ahead, Lori. It's also like just embarrassing that we don't have a black woman on the Supreme Court yet. Like it's unbelievable, you know, and uh, I think white men are like 30 percent of the country, but they're. 60% of the Supreme Court right now or something. So they're grossly overrepresented anyway. And it, it, the fact that you have to point it out is actually uh, the shame of the establishment who hasn't, who's ignored black women. It's not, it's not 
the person's pointing that out being racist. It's the fact that so many black women have been skipped, you know, and just, and like they, they didn't say, Oh, we want a white woman when they went for Amy Coney Barrett, but they didn't have to like, you knew what they wanted, you know, when they, when they wanted that person who would rubber stamp almost everything Trump wanted. So I don't know. Black women are the reason that we were able to go to space. Let's not forget that. If you watch the movie Hidden Figures, even through so much adversity and racism, they were the reasons that the space program happened in the first place. What we need to focus on is, um, like you said, uh, Deandra, is focusing on the most qualified person, no matter what they look like. And uh, bigotry and racism and sexism and classism have have been a problem with us progressing because we always want the person from a wealthy white family. Like that's been the that's been the go to for uh, people in leadership positions when they're not always the most qualified. You know, the LGBTQ community. um, We need we need the the. bigotry in that community to go away. You have so many solid qualified individuals that can't get into certain jobs just because of their sexuality. And it's ridiculous. Now look, you, I I know you exist, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that the world started out one way and now it's changing to this, but roll with the times, you know, if somebody is like who they, who they identify as and who they sleep with, it does not define their entire character. Like this is a whole other human being outside of those two points. So why am I focused on that on, on the color of your skin or who you sleep with or what gender you identify as you are an entire human being outside of that. And you have a whole purpose in life and it could be in politics or whatever, but you got to fight explaining what you are so you don't even get to develop as a person as much. So so us just being more understanding of people and gender and race and it would be beautiful if we if we didn't have to to focus on it at all and we could just really get qualified people because we need all hands on deck. Earth is hot. Mm-hmm. Are you a good person? That's that's all. Oh, that's the. Are you? A are good you person? a good person? Are you smart? <laughs> are you qualified? Are you qualified? Yeah. Good person, smart, qualified. You got the job, sir, ma'am, right. ma'am, a, sir. That's gonna be a title <laughs> for the episode. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. <laughs> it is. There it is. Boom. Ukraine has been in the news. It's dominating everything in the news right now. And I just I am curious at how it's affecting you. Um, do you and I mean, when I watch it, I get very nervous. I feel like they're hiding some of the information about how this is potentially very dangerous for ev- the world. As we're talking about, the world is hot. Russia invades Ukraine. President Vladimir Zelensky. Did I say it right? That's not I good. think so. I think you could just say Zelensky. Oh, thank you. Um, President Zelensky was often <laughs> President Z, whatever. <laughs> yeah, President PZ. <laughs> PZ was often derided as a comic turned unlikely politician. But with the help of social media, he has been rallying his people and others to support Ukraine with impassioned speeches, showing his presence on the streets of 
Kiev uh, going viral. Ordinary Ukrainians are reporting on events in Ukraine on TikTok, and some people are making videos hailing Mr. Z, Mr. Z or Zelensky and showing Ukrainians doing what they can to push back Russians, filling bottles meant for Molotov cocktails, volunteering to fight, being issued with automatic weapons, and vowing to defend their country. He also inspired European leaders to do more for Ukraine during the emergency summit meeting of European Union leaders on February 24th by giving a passionate 10-minute speech that moved some reluctant leaders to endorse a harsher package of economic sanctions on Russia. Now, what Mr. Zelensky's response to a reported American offer to evacuate him, which is going to go down in history because of social media, he said, I need ammunition, not a ride. So, I mean, this speaks to being a performer as well, you know, like. So, um, actually, since Russia invaded Ukraine, they've been getting their ass handed to them low key, though. Uh, Russia been getting that ass whooped. <laughs> you, you, you picked the right one, bitch, because y'all, y'all been getting y'all ass whooped. And then, and I low key think America is over there and we just ain't saying shit, you know, because I don't know how y'all getting y'all ass whooped like that. And y'all was the one invading. But um, I just feel like, like, like I said, I think it's some, I think it's some, uh, some low key critical missions going on, and I think we got boots on the ground in in Ukraine right now, and we just ain't said shit. But we we just need to get rid of all these hyper masculine, greedy ass leaders. Like they just need to go. I'm I'm so glad Kim Jong Un is he dead? I've been I don't know what is going on with this nigga. No, he's still pulling his little missions. He's he's shoot trying to see how far it can shot go. Shot another missile or something, right? Just to mm-hmm. go. Hey, I, I'm here. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know what's going on with that dude. You know, like he just psychopaths that are legit in positions and can think of nothing but like trying to acquire more. Like you're not doing a good job with North Korea, but you want South Korea too. People in South Korea are thriving. They're happy. They have a great economy. It's the technology is great. It's beautiful. I lived in South Korea for a couple months. Um, North Korea, they hungry. They don't have electricity after, after fucking like eight o'clock. South Korea, like, bitch, we good. <laughs> like, North Korea, y'all. But to bring it back to, I just want to oh, go sorry. over this point again about how, no, no, don't apologize. This is good. Um, about how social media is actually helping to change the narrative. Because when we talk about, like, critical race theory or we talk about history, what is really useful right now is social media to prevent the erasure of history. I think like him saying this about not taking um, a ride, you know, um, and actually being a leader, a strong leader is not what we've had in America. We haven't had a strong leader in, in quite some time. And in Ukraine, you're really seeing, I think this is why it's really resonating across the board and changing some views and hopefully, hopefully saving some lives is you have a, someone really standing up and being a defender of his people in the, Boots on the ground. His boots on the ground. 
Yeah. yeah. He's not talking about it. He's being about he's it. He's being about it. And he said, mm-hmm. let's go. I'm with the people. I'm here. I, this is, you know, my my whole. I life. think America, yeah, America yeah, got yeah. boots on the ground. We got some seals or some shit over there. <laughs> I, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Ukraine just. I mean, I think they're being smart, too. That's the thing. Like, from what I understand, you know, hearing things like they, they've been bombing um, bridges that are entry points into the city and, you know, really taking being smart about the moves that they're doing. Um, the Ukrainians. Yeah. Yeah. The Ukrainians, you know, and, and things like that. And you're like, and of course we're not hearing all the story. So I understand that, you know, some things can be painted a certain way and, and we never going to know hundred percent what's really going down over there. Um, but to see somebody who has brought these people together, they're, they're all like, yes, we're all going to fight. We're going to stay here and we're going to defend our land and this and that and bring, that's what it's about. That's being a, a true leader. You know, like people were like, no, they, they have pride. They have passion. They're willing to sacrifice their lives for their country and for everybody else. You know, I mean, that is huge. You don't see that happen. Let me just ask Loria. Didn't you have a Russian boyfriend at one point? I did. Oh. He was he was Ukrainian, actually. But because he never wanted to explain where Ukraine was, he would just say he was Russian. Mm. But he um, he his family left uh, when it was the Soviet Union. They fled. They were Jewish. So because I know in our topics list, it was the, one of the topics was African students mm. being prevented by Ukrainians from escaping, mm. <laughs> you know, Um which is kind of like not the narrative we're all following right now. We're like right now, and they're probably both things are true. It's like they're fighting for their homeland. We support them, but this is kind of ugly, you know, not letting these students leave uh, very racist and gross. Um, and it kind of just reminded me of my ex because, you know, they left uh, Ukraine or the Soviet Union because of institutionalized anti-Semitism, and they you know, they were, they were treated awfully and they, 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 you know, had to flee. Um, so, you know, that, that still exists there too, but obviously the president Zelensky is a, he's Jewish and he's a, he's a descendant of Holocaust survivors. And, um, I think like several members of his family were killed in, in the camp. So, so, you know, he might be their Obama in a way, uh, if their anti-Semitism is as bad as our racism, which I don't know, but I don't know. It's just, it's not, there's like probably a million stories in Ukraine and not the one or two that we seem to be able to follow on Twitter. That's been social media has <laughs> been pointing to that part of the story that I would not have heard of. I think if we just left it up to the news, like you saw, yeah. well, like they were like, take the black girl, take the, why aren't you taking the black girl over? Like they're getting treated as if, they don't matter even over there as they uh-huh. escape. And these are doctors, students training to be doctors. And, and not just, and not just African, but Indian, Latino, there's a lot, uh-huh. it's all like non-white, you know, yeah. students or people that are non-Ukrainian. And they're, they're having trouble crossing borders too. So it's not just Ukrainians. It's like the border of Poland, the border of Hungary. They're not allowing these people over. And it's like, they actually have homes to go back to. So they might not even be refugees, <laughs> you know? So just let them get to Warsaw so they can fly home. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a stark reminder of where we still are, I guess, as people, humans. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mimi. I interrupted you. We were going to say. No, 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 it's fine. I, I don't even remember what I was saying. 
<laughs> but to go to that story, thousands of African students who went to Ukraine to train to become doctors and engineers scrambled to escape the Russian offensive. So that you know if you didn't hear this story, as Russian forces invade Ukraine on Thursday, thousands of African students who come to study at affordable prices in the country found themselves trapped by the fighting and afraid for their safety. They said, I'm very, very afraid. We're not getting any help from any of the embassies. They have pretty much just said, save yourselves. So, yeah. I mean, I, I was doing, I was trying to look up, of course, it's hard to know what's what and what's not, but it does sound like, uh, you know, there are, I think Questlove posted something on his Twitter, Instagram, like resources for people, you know, from Nigerian to I mean, also, you know, Germany, they, they're basically saying reach out to the embassies in Germany or Romania is letting you in, like, you know, all these different things. So they're trying to put these race resources out to people to try to, you know, be able to get out of the country. Um, so it is, there are things happening, but it's still tricky. It's so tricky. You know? okay. It's like, imagine to having get, to go to the DMV there. before escaping yeah. the United States. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? And I, I listen, I heard that, well, I think Sean King had posted something because, you know, he tries to update all those things that the, the line to get out, like right now to get across the border is like 35 miles long. Oh, my God. I was like, what? And you have like 400 some thousand people. Like, that's crazy. And it's like your bets, the bet is just still waiting this line. Don't get out of place. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. It's just very surreal. There's got to be probably in line fighting. There's so much, you know, it's, it is, it's so sad when you look at it. It's just, I don't know anyone who's, someone asked me the other day, Marina, how do you look at the news? Doesn't it make you sad? And I go, well, as a comedian, I don't really have a choice. I mean, I could look away if I want to, you know, obviously it's sad, but to be honest, in order to be a good comedian, you have to look at the news. I mean, the podcast has helped me so much every week. I'm more educated than I've ever been on stage. It informs my material because I'd hate to be talking about something on stage without knowing what I'm talking about, which a lot of comedians do. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I don't know. There's this theory out there that comedians are truth tellers. I'm not all of us. Um, <laughs> like, I, ain't saying, I ain't saying no names, oh but are, um... <laughs> so, um, Call them out. <laughs> you from Chicago. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, bitch, please. I'm from Chicago. I love that. I'm my mama, Joe. <laughs> um, SNL skipped the jokes in the cold open. Saturday Night Live came back from the hiatus on February 26th with host John Mulaney paying a solemn tribute to the Ukraine by way of choral song by the Ukrainian chorus Dumpka. Yeah, so I'm wondering, like, Lori, do you are so when you were writing for Conan, are you still writing for him? And do you miss like, are are you doing material about this now? I guess it's my question. Like, if you were to set up, I have so many questions in there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> are you still writing for Conan? And okay, no. Do you miss having to come up with material like this? Yes. I do miss, I miss, I miss writing um, jokes every day. And I miss like the meetings and hanging out with the funny people that I get to hang out with. Like I, I'm still having trouble, like it's a blast and I haven't 
I'm still thinking, man, I might be just incredibly depressed <laughs> that I don't have this anymore. Because part of me is like, we're, we're coming back, right? Like, cause, you know, you take a hiatus and and uh, I'm so used to hiatuses. And, and a- even Andy Richter said it just felt like a really long summer vacation and we'd be, we'd be meeting again soon. But because um, of the COVID ended our show so abruptly, uh, you know, uh, like we the offices were like bombed out practically when we went to get our stuff. They had just t- dis- dismembered our st- our studio. It was so strange. Um, so yeah, I miss it a lot. I miss them a lot. And I miss, I miss, um, I miss reading the news that way. You know, I, I get really depressed now <laughs> because there's no, I don't, there's no, um, there's no professional onus to like turn this into a little monologue joke and sort of lift myself up at the end of the day. So could you just do that just to do it for yourself? Could you just still like write those jokes and write it out even though sometimes it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it just I, I miss the the routine of you know having to write like thirty jokes and a day. I really do. It's, it's weird. Routine. I when I was doing it, I didn't miss. I was like, I need a break, <laughs> but uh, I'm done <laughs> with the break. <laughs> yeah, it's like the habits, yeah. right? Like once you start a habit yeah. that you may not necessarily like, it's a habit. And it's hard to yeah. like, yeah, I was all, I was wondering about that because I envy that having to like write that many jokes and having that every, you know, that's what, this is what the podcast kind of helps me with, like keeping my mind like, yeah. you know, maybe you should join me as a co-host. <laughs> you could be the, yeah. the, the white, the, the white, co- <laughs> I'm joking, <laughs> to our, <laughs> but yeah. What, what's a year? <laughs> does Conan, does he, does he reach out to you still? Do you like, do you, I miss Conan too. Like, how's, is he okay? How he doing? I think he's okay. I mean, he seems to be having a lot of fun doing a podcast. Okay. Um, like a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I, I don't know if you guys saw it. So now, but he, he popped in on John Mulaney's like fifth. He was, he's like, he joined the club of people who oh, have hosted yes. it five times and, and Conan popped in and uh, he got a massive audience response. And I was like, Oh, I hope that means he wants to start up his HBO show. Cause maybe I can work <laughs> again, you know, but I'm like, he's really enjoying his podcast too much. <laughs> I want him to, I want him to miss. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I believe Sorry. he's the smartest of the late night hosts as far as like getting out. Totally. To, yeah. you know, like I think late night every, everything. Yeah. yeah. Late night seems to be taking on a, I mean, not to, dislike night but it just doesn't seem to be use as useful anymore now that you have podcasts and you know i don't know i don't they they used to be like a way of getting a star out there or a comic out there and now you have instagram and all these other things and conan seems to be the smartest one who's kind of picked up on there are other ways to do this mm-hmm. you know i could be wrong but it feels that yeah. way. Yeah. And nobody nobody watches it late at night. I mean, that that was the thing. It felt so special. And like, you know, if you watched Conan or you watched Letterman when you were little, um, you know, you stayed up late and it, it just felt subversive in a way. And now it's, you know, you could you can watch clips the next morning mm-hmm. of this subversive monologue, you know, while you're, you know, having breakfast and it doesn't feel the same either. I feel like Saturday Night Live. Like, it's so funny because I don't really watch it, um, but I always hear about it in the news. I feel like they use Saturday Night Live to address the news now more than they've ever had. Like, it's always like a hot topic. What did Saturday Night Live do? How did they address the world on Saturday? 
you know. So I'm glad they took this moment to take something serious, you know, and and have that cold open. And um, yeah. So I love the John Mulaney part when what's her the there was a beat where she's like, "Who are you again? <laughs> Why are you here?" <laughs> I forget who said that. Was that Tina Fey? <laughs> uh, I forget uh, Murphy, who plays Murphy Brown. Oh, oh, Candace oh, yeah, Bergen. Yeah, yeah. Candace yeah, yeah. Bergen says, "Who are you?" Yes, that was great. Um, another thing with this uh, Prince Harry, Meghan support Ukraine um, at the NAACP Image Awards. Uh, Jennifer Hudson was named Entertainer of the Year at the 53rd Annual NAACP Image Awards. She thanked the NAACP for inspiring little girls, having a beat out, having beat out Regina King, Lil Nas X, Megan the Stallion. I sound so awful as I'm doing this. I, I'm like, oh God, what little white I do have in me is coming out right now. <laughs> Megan the Stallion and Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> <laughs> Megan B. Stallion. Look, um, she recently played Aretha Franklin, her idol in the film. Uh, so Prince Harry and Megan received the President's Award featuring awareness for Ukraine and the Russian invasion in their acceptance speech. I wish he had mentioned the whole black issue, too, while he was up there since, you know, his wife. Is, I don't know if you guys watched the NAACP Awards. Did you watch it, Mimi? I didn't get a chance to watch it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't watch it either. I didn't watch either, but I, I do like, I like Megan's dress. That blue was like popping, okay, in the pictures. Um, I'm curious, though, how do you determine um, Entertainer of the Year? Is that, I'm wondering, do you guys, any of you know? Like, was it just, I guess, how they vote on everything else? Because to me, like, Entertainer of the Year. Yeah, that's true. Like, I feel like, I don't know. Like, I, I know Jennifer Hudson did the Aretha movie. I didn't see but it. How does she become, um, yeah, I didn't see it either. How did... Yeah, I mean, I know she's an amazing talent, you know. But is um, she of the year? Of the year. Like, I feel like that's a, like a expansive thing. So I'm just curious to know how they determine that. What do you think, Laurie? Laurie's been in those rooms. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a, as a voting member, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I'm guessing it's like all those, you know, the Oscars and the SAG Awards, they pick certain people that are allowed to pick and then managers and agents, you know, fight. <laughs> it's basically and, the uh, politics again, the business. Yeah. Of it. yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are getting your screeners still, but they need to figure out that we don't all have DVD players anymore. Listen, oh I got a whole pile. Like what I'm going to do with these? Like, right. Yeah. And then you can't sell mm. it on the street because you get... <laughs> in trouble but it's like what are we supposed to it's like come on help the planet help us send a link yeah come on yeah. Get, get with it but you're right mm -hmm. entertainment of the year it's like i would say like for me an entertainment of the year is someone who's always on on the tip of the tongue of everyone who's i mean i'm looking at this list regina king to me speaks a little bit louder I mean, because she directed, she had that one film that she directed, right? The one uh, with, you know, all the guys. Part of the fall. I can't remember the name of Well, no, she, well, she, she was in that. that. But she directed That's that really one cool. with like, Muhammad Ali and, in you know, Miami, like the yes. night, one night in, in Miami or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just because I would think, too, I'm not sure who won act, like, best actress. Do we know? I don't know who took that home. No. And like in a feature film. Because I'm I feel because I would think, oh, if so and so won entertainment entertainer of the year, they should probably take home 
the best actress. To, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, oh, if you were that, you probably would have got that too. Because that was the only thing really Je- Jennifer Hudson did, right? Yeah. It says here for best actress is Jennifer Hudson. Oh, so she did get it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She, that's so what she got. Out. And Will Smith yeah. got. Yeah. Which I heard. That the entertainer was. seems more like a live performer, though. So, you know. Like, like a singer or a, a comedian, it seemed would be more entertainer. I don't know. Issa Rae won Outstanding Actress for Insecure. There's a lot of, I, I don't understand. I, I think it's all about a, to- a show they want to produce on television, quite honestly, more so than it is actually about who's right for these awards. It's like, how can we produce great TV? How can we get all these actors in one room, show how they're funny, show how they're interesting, and then show them getting awards at the same time. And I think what's happening is it's like no longer necessary. <laughs> no one cares. It's just kind of like the late night sets, it's yeah. like late night TV. It's like, we can see you on social media now. We, we, we see all, we see you guys all the time. You, now, do you, Deandra, do you go on like your social media page and like give like Motivation Monday? Um, maybe I should, I don't know. I'm probably terrible with my social media. I might need some social media training. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think I have, I don't have the biggest following. I'm a little old school when it comes to that. Cause I'm kind of like, well, if I'd like people to follow me cause they know who I am and they like what I do. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, if you don't know who I am, then I'm like, oh, okay. Like if you want to come over my little world, come on. You know, I welcome you. Come on, hang out. Let's hang out for a taste, you know. But if, if you just, uh, but I see how it can help you in your branding and your business too, you know. So I get kind of torn on that because I'm, because everything can be smoke and mirrors. So what you present, you know, you can paint these certain pictures. Oh my gosh, I was at this event. I know this person. I was blah, 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 blah. And it takes a lot of work. I'm over here like, like I had to go to a gifting suite or lounge or something this weekend. It was my first time really going because my PR people got me and all. And I was like, oh, and I took my daughter. Cause I'm like, I really don't even know what to expect. I'm new to this, you know? Well, first of all, I had got my booster the day before, so I was hurting. Okay. Let me tell you, I was, <laughs> it was all bad on Saturday for me because Did you drink water. Listen, I, yeah, I drank some water. I tried to drink some water. I was parched. I was drinking water. Pedialyte. I, I needed, I probably need to have some holy water in there too, because whatever was going through my body was, oof. but I had that. I had cramps. I had allergies. It was a whole situation, but I, you know, to even pull myself together to go to this event, I was like, man, it's work. You know, even just like, you know, I'm thinking about red carpet. I'm like, oh, I got to try to look good and I got to figure out, I got to suck everything in and I got to feel like presentable and things. I'm like, man, like that's not for the faint of heart. I Honestly, I don't even know if it's really for me. Like I'm kind of going through it like it's cool, but, you know, I could be hanging out in the house in my sweats and be comfortable you, like you know like mm, i'm good i did not put on underwear yesterday it'd be like that <laughs> and that's that's the best days you know what i'm saying so it's i remember oh. maybe maybe i was like i'm like sorry that i have to do this tech run with you but i ain't got no underwear i, I haven't changed my underwear <laughs> right. but that's that's just and because you, you get older too and like you know just like i'm like i like just not doing anything but, uh, oh. but, you know, so there's things like that. Like, it takes a lot of work, those machines. And I can see the payoff for it. But then I, and some people are really good at it. I, I'm not so much. Like, I say some stuff when I feel like I got something to say. Or, or I, I get stuff ready. Pictures and posts and this and And then I get sidetracked with life stuff. And then they don't even get put up. And it's a year later. I'm That's like, damn, point. I didn't even put that up. You know what I mean? Like, I had it all ready and edited. And 
You Oof. need a little assistant to do I need it somebody. For you. I need to get my daughter because, you know, my daughter, she she went viral on something on TikTok like a couple years ago. So she got a big old following. She got, she's I'm so not even on TikTok, but too. she got way more following than I do. And I'm like, you know, she's that generation. And I probably need to employ her. She needs some money. She a college student anywhere. She, she needs some money. She be asking me for money. I need to make her work. <laughs> now, you just w- reached our last topic, which I, I should have pulled up first. I think this is probably a heated conversation for both you and Lori. <laughs> That's why I put it in here. Tamar Braxton calling out <laughs> Vince about their son is a great opportunity to talk about co-parenting boundaries. Do you have co-parenting boundaries or I'll start with you, Deandra. Um, I, I do. Uh, my daughter's father and I broke up when she was four, I think. Yeah, we were together like six and a half years. We went to college together. Uh, we have amazing, an amazing relationship. You know, to me, I don't do drama. The only drama I'm trying to do is on screen. Okay. I'm trying to do it for work. That's about it. I'm not trying to, I don't, I don't do all that funny thing. Cause you know, we have to be even more of a team when you're not together for the child. You know, I mean, I came from, mm-hmm. uh, my parents divorced when I was one and a half. So I didn't come from the nuclear family. And so for my daughter, it's important for her to have her father involved in her life. It's important for her to have that relationship. And, you know, I try to do whatever I can. And I'll still to say, you talk to your dad lately. Well, no, no, I'm like, call your dad, call your dad, go see your dad. You know, and I'm always in her ear about that because to me, that's important. Um, so we have had a great situation. He's married, has five kids with his wife. And, and honestly, I feel like they're an extension of my family. You know, my daughter's half siblings, because it's just like, we're all in this together. Uh, and I, I'm in a situation where I have very little empathy for people, for parents that do the drama, that like unnecessarily do that because it's the kids that suffer. And I don't, and, and then when you get to the celebrity level or you get to the play when people are trying to gouge people for money, I, I, my, my ex played in the NFL for nine years. You know, I didn't, I'll tell people, I didn't take them legally for child support. My biggest thing is you, you're involved in your child's life. You take care of her. That's the most important thing to me. That's what it's about. And anything, and, and this is before I started acting. And then even when I started acting, I'm a struggling actor. I mean, you know, it's feast or famine. And I probably could have got more than what I did if I went legally, but it wasn't about that. I'm like, no. And so any, if, he, if I did need something, he, I got you. You know, her, her, when she flew to see him, he would take care of it. Her braces, and you know, I couldn't do it. You know, and now I'm in a position where I can do more for her. So it's like, I want to be able to contribute what I can, you know. But I, when I see people just being just so selfish, and what, like, what do you, in my mind, I'm like, what do you need $50,000 a month for? What do you need $24,000 a month for? Like, I don't, you know, now if you're. That's pain, I, right? I don't that's get to it. speak into some type of pain. Yeah, I don't get it. And now if you're using it for good to help your child thrive and, you know, okay. But like, I don't, I don't know. I just think people just are, again, so selfish. The kids suffer, the kids feel it, you know, and it's just not fair at the end of the day. You know, and I would never stand in the way of my daughter having a relationship with her father unless he put her in harm's way, you know? And that's just, you know, I'm fortunate that I have a great situation. I know that's not always the case. And, you know, you, you have a lot of situations where one parent is trying to be cordial and understanding and open, the other one's not. And it, and it gets hard. It's very hard, you know? So it is important to have, I, I guess it is important to have certain boundaries if it's for, you know, safety reasons, if it's for healthy reasons. I think with the situation, Tamar said she couldn't, he blocked her or something on the phone um, and she couldn't, I don't, 
again, we're only hearing her side of the story. She called a lot. Yeah, and she she, she said, said that, 13,000 right? times a day. She feels compelled. She's doing a little too much. Yeah. You know, she, she needs a time out too. <laughs> you know, but um, that is a, that's extreme. I mean, if for her to acknowledge that she was doing that, that's one thing. It's good she can see it, but then she needs to do something about it. But for her to maybe sit there and call him out in public like that, when she knows she's the one contributing to the possible reason why, you know, I don't know if that's the most mature thing to do. You yeah. know, so there's, you see both sides like, okay, well, you need to not call so much and be as doing as much. And he needs to not necessarily block you because that's your line to your son. Because I think that is important. You have to have access to your child, you know, because what if something happened to you and you need to get in touch with them or something happened to your child with So yeah. that's my spiel. No, that's great. <laughs> Lori? My son's father and I broke up when he was about three, uh, my son. <laughs> and uh, um, it was kind of messy for a couple of years, uh, a lot of anger. Um, but then, I don't know, you know, you just, after a while, I don't know, people change a little bit or you you just kind of move on emotionally. Um, now things are really pretty good. Like we have family dinners pretty frequently, at least once a week. And so my son gets to see that the three of us hanging out and having fun. And um, he has a half brother in Texas. So he has more family besides me, which is, I think, good. Time really, you know, does heal some wounds. And and it makes you just go, I just don't want to be mad about this anymore. (laughs) You know, it's like exhausting to be angry. Like I did, I did really, um, indulge my rage for a while and it, it definitely harmed me, you know, and if it harmed me, it harmed my kid a little bit because I wasn't there a hundred percent to parent and stuff. And it, and it put up barriers for, you know, seeing his dad, but, um, I don't know. I kind of let that go a long time ago, I think. And, uh, and now everything seems pretty cool. And he's, you know, also the kids get older and so they can make their own decisions and, uh, and they can decide, you know, if they want to, like, if my son wanted to spend a whole week with his dad, I'd be totally fine with it. You know, we're, we're so close by that it kind of doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. I mean, time, time will take away some of that anger, which is good. Can I tell you both that I think my dad was still receiving child support and like I was a grown ass 45 year old (laughs) and they were still trying to get child support from my dad. I mean, like it becomes like a government. It's like, how can we make money off of emotions? Like how much, how much money can we, it, it divides families like child support. You know, and, and not yeah. just the, the financial part of it, too, because from stories I've heard, I mean, it can have a harsh effect on the time spent with parents. Like it could make almost a situation worse <laughs> than what it would have been had you not, you know, had these legal like sanctions on it. I mean, obviously, there's there's great good stuff that comes from it because you get people hold people accountable or hopefully does. Yeah, I, I remember going through that whole court system. I remember the judge asking me, and I was a little kid, what I thought about my mom. And I was like, you want to know the truth? Like, I, you know, like there was, a, <laughs> there was a point when I was like, someone's actually wants to know. Like, and, but it's so scary because as a kid, you're like, well, I don't want my mom to get in trouble, but I do have some stories to know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I just remember that whole thing being so weird when children, like as a child being involved, it was so confusing. I was like, 
It's probably why I'm a comedian to this day, to be honest, because I was like, I was so in the middle between my dad and my mom and, and the visitations. Like I remember going to my dad's on the weekends and it was fun. So if my mom punished me and then I was off to go to my dad's, it was like she wasn't really punished me. So one time she tried not to let me go. She's like, I know it's a good time. So you're not going to your dad's this weekend. And he took her to court because of it. And it became wow. this whole thing. And all I know That's is so exhausting. I just want to get away on the weekends. <laughs> That's all I was thinking. Like Southwest ding. Want to get away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, I do want to thank. I don't want to hold you all too long because, you know, I know it's a lot of time that I put in, but it's like these conversations are so good. They're so helpful to a lot of people out there who at this time are feeling alone or who who may need to feel inspired. And I think this is truly one of those conversations that is going to help people out there. So I thank you so much for joining us. I'll start with Mimi because Mimi knows how this goes. She's done it several times and we'll end with you, Deandra. Um, So Mimi, tell our listeners where they can find you or your next show and the friends like us. Okay, listeners, uh, you can find me on Instagram at I am Mimi Simpson. Uh, Twitter, I am Mimi Simpson. Facebook is Mimi Simpson. I host a weekly show, um, Tickled on Taco Tuesdays in Montclair, New Jersey. So come check me out there at Cuban Pete's. Uh, it's a it's a really dope show. Make sure y'all come check me out. Um, I'll also be uh, with Godfrey at the Stress Factory uh, this weekend. Nice. Um, so yeah, check me out. And, uh, with friends like us, we can put women in position in leadership positions and get this earth back on track. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Mimi. Lori. Um, I'm on, uh, any, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as any Lori 16, very unhelpful. Um, <laughs> And I have a A N Y L A U R I E one six, and uh, I have an album out called Corset that came out in October. It was recorded at the time I was living. My mother and my son were living with me, and I was felt like I was being squeezed. The basically the oxygen squeezed out of me on both ends. Um, so that's the point of view I'm coming from on that <laughs> on that that album. And uh, and are you going to be wearing um, your bra? I saw that Instagram post and I loved it, by the way. <laughs> I really appreciate Can you tell them about that just a little bit before you go to the Friends Like Us? Oh, sure. I mean, um, I just noticed that a lot of female comics are wearing bras. And uh, I am not about to ever pose in a bra. Um, it w- I think it would deter ticket sales, quite frankly. And uh, But I feel like, hey, I, I still have to compete with these these uh, young hotties. And so I what I did is I just showed off all my bras, um, but I wasn't wearing them. And I have a, I have a sleeping bra and I have a, a show bra that has an underwire and I have a Zoom bra, which is a lot more casual. Um, so. <laughs> I love it. Um, I think with friends like us, we can uh, support each other as much as our our bras support us. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Love it. Thank you. And Deandra, thank you so much for being, you know, our new friend. Hopefully you'll come back. If you ever want to promote anything, we are here for you. So tell our listeners where they can find you. Well, uh, you can find me on the socials, Instagram and Twitter. It's Deandra Lyle. I'm on Facebook as Deandra Lyle. I am not on TikTok or Snapchat. 
maybe the next time I will be. Uh, you can catch me on The Secrets of Sulphur Springs on Disney Channel, Disney Plus, Hulu. Um, we'll be coming at you with a new season three, hopefully in the near future. And, uh, you know, with friends with us, you can laugh to keep from crying. Or you can laugh to cry. Either way, it's, either way it's healing and you can have a good time. Aww, thank you. Yes. And thank you for having me. I really, I really enjoyed this, ladies. This is a lot of fun. We yes. yes so nice to meet you. So, so nice, nice to meet you. you. Yeah. I hope, I hope to do it to again. Yeah. All right. So Marina Franklin, go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, we keep it 100 up in here. Check, Check us out. out.